Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Wrestling and More's Ring Rope Roundup podcast, where we gripe, moan, and generally complain about all things that have happened this week in an entertainment product where men with no trousers fight for a belt. I'm joined once again by the man who has the coolest job in the world, and that is, of course, Mr. Harry Kettle. How are you, my friend? I am very well, and it feels like we're going to do a complete 180 from last week because after being negative Nancy's... Uh, seven days ago it feels like things are a lot brighter it does i've thoroughly enjoyed all the wrestling this week first of all though i am going to ask how was your day at twickenham uh my day at twickenham was interesting it was uh i waited so long to go to the nfl and so long to kind of show my girlfriend what it was all about because i'd never been before we got there great day out and from 12 o'clock onwards kind of played all all the kind of nfl games and stuff yeah yeah. and had a few drinks had some food the game started and we lost 33-0. Uh, our quarterback broke his arm and the mood suddenly dampened. But, um, yeah, understandably. It was, God. Yeah, it was, a, it was a tale of two halves, so to speak. But we do want to go again, um, potentially not for the Cardinals. I can't imagine they're going to want to invite them back after that yeah. performance. <laughs> no, I can't complain, though. Well, I can't talk anyway because the Broncos were shut out for the first time since 1992 on Sunday where we lost... 22, I think, 22 nil to the Los Angeles Chargers. So it wasn't a well, good day for for any NFL team, apparently. So let's, let's focus on the positives. I of think wrestling. so. So obviously, Sunday was TLC 2017 as a whole. What did you think of the show? Um, I thought it was good. I thought that given what hands they were dealt, as we learned last week, I thought that they knew that they couldn't really do much other than just create chaos and create. Uh, wrestling magic like I know that last week I said they tend to mask over a lot of their problems with just good wrestling yeah. but I wasn't actually opposed to that happening this time around because it, it wasn't really fair to criticise them for that given what happened I thought that yeah as obviously we'll get into it in more detail but I was satisfied as a whole yeah it was, it was a good pay-per-view and like you say they were dealt a dodgy hand off obviously what was it two days to go when they found out that Roman and Bray wouldn't be competing um, and we got Kurt Angle returning to the ring for the first time in 11 years and boy howdy did the WWE thrust that down our throats um, you know starting with the opening video package you would not know that there were any other matches at all including Balor and Styles you know but this is a huge thing and to be honest I think they did well I thought Kurt Angle looked brilliant I thought the, the scenes in between with him Seth and Dean were really good I just I just enjoyed the entire experience. But we'll start with the pre-show, Sasha Banks versus Alicia Fox. I literally have nothing to say about this match, really. It was there. It was a standard match, really. They seem to be in the middle of pushing Alicia Fox. Um, I'm not entirely sure why. Um, I know she's been a great servant for the company, but I find that her, especially on Raw, which we'll talk about later, her, her gimmick at the moment seems to be mental woman makes lots of noise. And... It's very grating. Very, very grating. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm not entirely that- sure why she's captain of the Raw team either. But again, getting ahead of myself. Sasha Banks won. Um, I don't think either of us are surprised by that result, really, are we? Anything to add about that match? No, you've pretty much summed it up. I, I, it is odd that she lost this and then went on to captain the team. I guess maybe to make her seem like more of a formidable opponent for Asuka if they go down that route after maybe. Survivor Series. But... Yeah, nothing to add. Sasha gets another win under her belt, another notch on her bedpost, so to speak. Yep. And Alicia yep. kind of just 
is there, as you say. She's just there. She's okay. She's she's not great. She's not awful. Just one of those. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting to see as well that this apparently was supposed to be Sasha versus Naya before uh, before Naya walked out. I it'd be interesting to see if that would be still be on the pre-show if Nia Jax was there. Um, well, oh, go on, sorry. Yeah, they, they've wrestled a couple of times before on pay-per-view, haven't they? And I feel mm. like they might have been on... I think if they did. I think they have wrestled on the pre-show before, but the whole Nia Jax situation is bizarre to me oh, right I now. Believe, like, yeah. it's, I mean, it's, it's very odd. Yeah, it's getting more and more weird by the day, saying like she's, she's tweeting out this and that. One minute you think she's on terms with good terms with the company and next she's not i think she maybe she's just gone away for a little break or something but i think that if used right she could just her against dasker in the future like we saw in nxt it build up even more could be huge absolutely that that's that's a money match and let's face it a couple of months ago we would not have said that about nia jacks um yeah. it's interesting to see how the rock's been involved and is basically told to walk away from the company if she's not happy um but i suppose that's the leverage you have when you're related to uh to Mr. Johnson. True. Um, but yeah, the show, the main show started and we had Asuka versus Emma, the debut of Asuka. Good God, the crowd gave her a royalty entrance, didn't they? They absolutely loved it. And yeah. rightly so. I just hope, and I hope beyond hope, and I know it's the cynical side of me, but I really hope that the WWE are not going to bungle Asuka in the way that they've bungled Shinsuke and the way they bungled Bobby Roode. I hope that yeah. they won't. But... Yeah, who knows? I guess. I guess with Asuka, it's one of those things where you just—it's like Schrodinger's cat. You're never going to know until they actually get the get it done. But I thought that the match was okay. I thought that I preferred—I almost preferred the entrance to the match. Like, I, it was more kind of a, with a match like this, you're just waiting for the finish. And if it's not going to be a shock factor moment where she just wins really quickly within the first few minutes, then it it it, it has a possibility to drag out a little bit and with every passing minute you're thinking to yourself yeah well Emma taking her this far is nice but is that really what we want to be seeing or do we just want to be seeing Asa kind of putting on a showcase and to, to an extent it was a showcase I guess but I almost preferred what they did on Raw really yeah it was a straight I think Emma got a lot more offence than anyone anyone at all anticipated um, and like you say, it was it was a good match. Asker obviously won, which I think was lock of the night. There was a few clunky moments though, especially when Asker did that hip attack, and there was clear daylight between her and Emma, and Emma went down as though she'd been shot. Um, and then there was that weird reversal that sent Asker out of the ring, which looked very very clunky. But you know, I'm sure she'll, I'm sure she'll be fine. And obviously, the match on Raw that they did the following night was like you. I thought that was the better match. Um, I'm not entirely sure why she fought Emma again the next night and what they thought they were going to get out of her fighting the same person again. But, you know, it was a good showing for Emma. Not entirely sure she should have had the same amount of offence she did. But, you know, Asuka won and that's the main thing. And, you know, she won on Raw, so she's 2-0. Yeah. Um, next we had the Cruiserweight tag match. I know that we ragged something... Well... We ragged a lot on the Cruiserweight division on last week's podcast. But this tag match, I really enjoyed. You know, it really showed, it really showcased what the Cruiserweights can do. Yeah, yeah, it did. They 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 are at their best when they're doing this, this kind of thing. And I guess there was an element of a story to it. I, like when, when Gallagher came down to the ring and he was kind of just still wearing his 
his Sunday best and stuff, I was a bit like, ah, well, okay, where, where are we going to go from here? Yeah. But the result was exactly as it should have been. I'm starting to get a little bit, when, like, when Cedric Alexander comes out, like, he's he's great. He yeah, is he very is. good. But when Rich Swan comes out, I'm like, yeah, let's, let's do this. Let's get this party started. Give me, give me a tequila shot. Let's get going. <laughs> and when Cedric Alexander comes out, it's just a bit like, ah, uh, okay, all right, yeah, he's there. He's really good. He's very good, but... Mm. You know, I'm, I'm, his, his entrance doesn't do anything for me. And it's like, I feel like something that's underrated is the first kind of five to ten seconds that a superstar comes out, it's important. Like, that, that is important. Like, when I see Benjamin Gable come out with this generic music, I, I, I feel nothing. When I, feel, when I see Sami Zayn come out with the, his music, even as a heel, you feel something and you're invested and I feel like that's something that needs to be fixed with Cedric Alexander because in terms of his in-ring product, it's it's great. And in yeah. terms of the psychology in the ring, it's great again. But yeah, I think that's that's probably the only nitpick that I'll have on this. No, I do agree. And can we just, before I carry on, can we just have a shout out to Jack Gallagher who wrestled in shoes uh, and made it look very, very easy. So shout out to Jack Gallagher. But going back to what you said about the music, I completely agree. Cedric Alexander has got a very generic entrance theme and it reminds me very much of Billy Kidman, um, who again was, a, you know, he was a good in-ring competitor when he wasn't killing people with his moonsault. Um, but like his music just didn't pump anyone up because there was just there was just nothing to it, nothing to it at all. Um, I mean, it's a shame because there wasn't really a notable crowd reaction throughout the match, really, despite the fact that you know you've got Alexander and Rich Swan doing all the flippy stuff, and you've got Gallagher and. Brian Kendrick wrestling a very very different style and they told a, a pretty good story in the ring to be honest so I have a feeling though that if Nia and Sasha had been the match this would have been the match that was bumped to the pre-show which kind of shows just how yes. little the WWE care about the Cruiserweights which we already know but a good match in my opinion yeah a good match and room for promise I guess would be uh, like the way to put it room for kind of something more if they if they are committing to to a five live they're committing to the cruiserweights so i guess it's our job to kind of hope they keep pushing and get to the point where we all get excited about it again yeah absolutely and unfortunately that's more than we can say for the uh, for the title match later on in the night but next we had alexa bliss versus mickey james this was a better match than i thought it had any right to be um because even though, you know, Alexa Bliss is champ and she's great on the mic, I've never really rated her as an in-ring competitor. Um, and I don't know whether it's because she was paired with Mickey James, but I really like this match. Even if it is a feud built on age and having a biscuit bum, which I, I really, really hate that. I hated the fact that before the match, they asked Alexa about the biscuit bum thing. She said, what's wrong with my butt? I like it. It's like, oh, man. We know that every single man likes Alexa Bliss for that reason. You don't need to thrust it down everyone's throats WWE please stop trying to make Biscuit Butt happen it's not going to happen which was a shame because I thought you know especially at the start that was all I was thinking about I was just thinking I hated that I really did hate that but the match itself was really good I thought Mickey James you know despite her age in inverted commas she she bossed that match it was a really good match I, I really enjoyed it as you can probably tell which I shouldn't have done but um, it was never in doubt that Bliss was going to walk away champ Um even though at the end with that bloody in-ring promo style, which I hate, just after they finished, um, mm. 
you know, she said it's not my last time challenging for a title, it's not my last time challenging for, you know, in a WWE ring. Can you really see Mickey James as a future champion once more? No, and I think, yeah, like you said, that's the point. I'm not a fan of the in-ring promo thing at all. I don't think it adds anything. I think yeah. that if, if this is the UFC, that works, but it's, we're not the UFC, and it doesn't work, and it just feels staged and contrived and it, it, corny to a degree. I thought the match was good. I like that they're building up this idea that Alexa will pull these fast ones on people in order to get out of certain situations. Part of me is worried that they're going to do make her do that with Asuka, and that's what's going to lead to Asuka's first defeat. But at the same time, I'm also looking forward to them telling the story that Asuka's maybe someone who isn't going to fall for that, and she's just too good. Mm. So maybe she, she just systematically breaks Bliss down, but obviously we're um, future booking again. In terms of the match, I agree. It was a good match, better than it had any right to be. I think Bliss is, in terms of an in-ring performer, I think she's, in, in terms of her as a character, she's getting better every day, and she's one of the only people that can find ways to actually garner legitimate reactions from people like her we'll get on to it I know but a promo on Raw where she just managed to get get natural heat is something so rare and it's that I, I, I disagree with people who say that she's like Trish Stratus in terms of I think that Trish is always going to have something over her I just don't know what it is but I feel like there was that certain star power to Trish that just makes her better in the all time rankings I'm not sure what it is but there's something there and but she doesn't need to be the next Trish. She can be the first Alexa Bliss, which is obviously corny to say, but it, it, it is what it is. And Completely right. Yeah, and I think she can keep going forward with the title. I don't think they should change it to anyone if it's not going to be Asuka because you need to you need to stop with these quick title changes. I, I'm an aficionado of long title reigns, so I might be biased, but I, I just it's quick title changes do nothing for me, really. Yeah. I don't think what helped was at one point there was a very, very audible We Want Angle chant, which was annoying because the in-ring performance was really good, but I think that's what you get when you announce something as big as Kurt Angle returning before the actual pay-per-view. Um, you know, a lot of people were there just to see Kurt Angle, which is a shame because it does take away from matches like this, which were better than we thought they were going to be. Um, but speaking of long title reigns good god what's happening with the cruiserweight belt uh, <laughs> good god um, I mean Kalisto versus Enzo Amore I think we can I hope we're both on the same page by saying this was by far the worst match of the night um, yes. I mean it didn't help that Enzo was doing everything with what sounded like half a lung um, and a terrible throat which they then emphasised by interviewing him afterwards Um but it just it seemed like such a lazy match. For a cruiserweight title match, there was one big move really, and that was the suicide dive from Kalisto, who then celebrated in front of a Kalisto killed Harambe sign. Oh which, god. And, <laughs> and uh, it was framed perfectly. But I don't know, there was just no pace in it. I don't understand the necessity of putting the belt on Kalisto at all. Because Enzo, as we discussed, um, on the previous podcast, Enzo is money. You know, yes, he might be incredibly annoying. Yes, there's still unbelievable heat between him and the rest of the locker room. But as soon as he went to 205 Live, 205, right, 205, bleh, 205 Live rating spiked. 
You know, and that's not a coincidence. It's because of Enzo. Yes, he can't wrestle. Yes, he can't hang with the Cedric Alexanders and the Grand Metaliques of the Cruiserweight division. But he offers something different, and perhaps that's what the division needs, which makes it baffling to me that you put it on a black hole of charisma like Kalisto. Yeah, and I think that the big thing about Kalisto is that he's so in a hole right now after everything that's happened to him, he's kind of going down the Sinkara route of there have been so many little mistakes that are starting to build up to the point where people just aren't going to take him seriously, maybe potentially ever. And I, I can't get into Enzo matches. I just can't. I I may as well have skipped over this because it's just, there's no... The, the problem is you can be a bad in-ring performer and you can be a, a top heel at the top of, of the, the card like I'd say JBL but I, I think JBL that would be a disservice to him he was a good in-ring performer just maybe not as good as other people yeah. but with, with Enzo it, I get that he goes against everything that the Cruiserweight division stands for but when he holds the belt it just feels like a prop and I, maybe that maybe I'm, this is how I'm meant to be feeling but it, it's making me more disenchanted than anything like you said I, I think that I think the Neville problem is a big part of it and it's it's biased as we're Englishmen and we want to see someone like Neville in that division but when you've got Neville and Austin Aries two arguably of the best wrestlers pure wrestlers all-round wrestlers in the world leaving this division because of a variety of different issues and it's replaced with someone like Enzo I understand that it's getting more interesting I understand they're building the rest of the division but I'm not out of that I don't think I'm out of that bitter stage yet. No, well, I I am with you wholeheartedly. It seems very, very strange that both Austin Aries and Neville, you know, who fought for the Cruiserweight title at WrestleMania, are now both gone. You know, I don't think that's coincidence. There is clearly something wrong with the direction of 205 Live. And Neville deserves so much more. And I know there's people saying... Well, he's just good in the ring. He's not. He's worked on his game so much, and that whole King of the Cruiserweights angle was fantastic. He was a legitimate badass, and it's just a shame to see him now where he was just so undervalued by the company, and that's what it seems like. You know, you're going to job to Enzo. This is the guy that's got ridiculous heat with the company who's now getting the title off Neville, who held it for... I don't know what his official reign was. I think it was 200 days, I think. So I can see why he's annoyed and I can see why people think that there's no direction in the Cruiserweight division because I agree with them. Before we get into the Finn versus Styles match, I just want to talk about the bizarre thing we had going on between Jason Jordan and Elias. Yeah. I, d- I, I mean, I'll be perfectly honest, I didn't watch the entire of the pre-show, I just skipped to the Sasha Banks match because I knew we'd be reviewing it. What's with the produce? I don't. I don't understand. <laughs> Did I miss uh, something? Uh, I, I think Jordan threw things at him whilst Elias performed. Um, look, I, I get that Elias is good at what he does. To some people, I get that he's maybe more favourable on the main roster than he is down in NXT. Maybe his gimmick suits this kind of thing more. I don't know. I, I just could not care less about anything to do with Jason Jordan or Elias uh, Samson even though that's not even his last name anymore yeah. I just 
I wish I had more of an insight than this was bad. I didn't care. I still don't care. I will never care. It's moved nothing forward at all. To be perfectly honest, I have no desire to talk about the match because apart from Elias's shoulder clearly being up, um, yeah. it, it offered nothing to me at all. Um, Agreed. And the fact that clearly the audience didn't care. I know Elias is really good at garnering real-life heat like we spoke about with Alexa Bliss. But they weren't bothered about Elias. They were there for Kurt Angle, putting a guy there to play the guitar really badly, by the way. You know, which I think he does on purpose. I think. I like I to think. Um, it just... Oh, I just, And it just made Jordan look like a child. It just made him look like a snotty teenager. Which, you know no one likes so why do it why do it I, d- I don't know it can f- but you know for every negative there comes a f- big bullet club silver lining Finn Balor versus AJ Styles what did you think oh it was beautiful it was start to finish I was invested I, d- I-, I can't I would argue to say that I don't actually get 100% invested in wrestling matches anymore which sounds bad but it's just I think that y- you've got to have so much focus on it and I I I, I'm maybe I just um, don't have that as much focus as I used to as a younger fan, but this just had me, had my attention. I thought that it sets the stage well for a rematch in the future. I think you can play up the idea of one of them turning heel. I think you could add the Bullet Club in there. I think you could put the idea in that, as Styles said on Raw Talk afterwards, he was there on two days' notice. Finn, I think that he will prepare differently for it and he can wrestle differently for it. They, these two could probably have 10 different matches and they could all be extraordinary and we've only seen the first chapter and i guess when when they break it down and when when you when you see how this styles thing played into what we eventually saw on raw i thought this was i i don't like saying perfect and i i, I think there were there were a few points where maybe it, they would have benefited from maybe a little bit of not necessarily rehearsal beforehand but like there was an awkward moment with Finn trying to do a submission. Um, they were quite clearly talking to each other at different points during the match, which I know it, it's, it happens, but it can be avoidable. Um, so maybe not perfect, but it was it was damn close. Oh god, yeah. And when you consider, I think these two are capable of more as well, and that excites me. You know, yeah. Finn Balor, since he's come back from injury, he's been underused in my opinion. The feud with Bray has been bloody awful um, before that you know he's lost to the drifter and he's won a few nothing matches this has shown us why he was a top dog in New Japan it shows us why he's still you know one of the best NXT champions in history you know this shows us why the WWE originally invested in him as the first universal champion he is that good in the ring he is that good and when you put him with someone who is damn talented as AJ Styles who was probably suffering horrendous jet lag through this match let's not forget and it's still a damn near perfect match as you described it you've got gold and why the WWE insists on thrusting big men like Jinder Mahal and you know Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns which I'm sure will be a fine main event of Wrestlemania when you've got stuff like this that doesn't need a storyline it's just based on pure badass wrestling and the fact that you've got that backstory between the two characters that's what wrestling's about. I mean, this was my match of the night by an absolute mile. Even, even more than the main event. Even though the main event was fun to watch, this was my this was my match of the night. And I think I said this on the podcast um, 
last week that this had the potential to be the match of the night, surpassing a Shield reunion, and I think it delivered in all in all areas. Even with that that botched submission hold, with the, the, the even the commentators had no idea what was going on. They were, is he attempting a pin? Um, ah. <laughs> which they didn't hide very well. But there you go. Uh, speaking of commentary, is Booker T supposed to be turning heel now? I'm really confused. Well, this is the thing. A lot of people hated it. A lot of people hated what he was doing. And I get that he went a bit over the top, but it almost felt like in this and the main event, Corey Graves and Booker T did like a double turn. And it was really weird. I, I think maybe he's turned into more of a tweener. And could could be make for some interesting possibilities. But I get that people were a bit annoyed with him, um, you know, went during the matches. Yeah, it was... I wasn't annoyed with it. And I think that if this is the direction they're going in, he will be a better heel commentator than Cole was because, good God, the Michael Cole heel thing, that seemed to last for decades. Um, years off my life. Oh, God, yeah. I feel so much older for watching that. Um, but, I don't know, Booker T just seemed to be arguing for the sake of arguing. He didn't seem to have a point. So, that's what that was what my problem with. That was what my problem was. But, now we move on to the main event. The absolute clusterfuck of a main event overbooked to hell main event between makeshift shield and team miz and good god how fun was this to watch i it's it's weird to find a place to start with this because they 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 had to create chaos they just had to i mean anyone who says they needed to do things differently or things more they will never be pleased as wrestling fans if you can't watch this from start to finish i mean i'll admit I I wanted Angle to come out in his original attire and not and on his own, but I get that it was a Shield thing, so I got over that quite quickly. And I thought that the spot where they usually they go out and then they come back later in the match, that I usually don't like that. But I genuinely forgot about it. And when Kane was getting ready for the choke slam, I thought that the way that they did it all, the way that they played it all, the way that Angle did some Olympic slams with such precision to remind everybody that yeah he is still that good and just because he's been put in the, I feel like people have forgotten but because he's been in this Royal GM role for the last six months they think that he hasn't been wrestling for the last five years and he has and he's been consistently doing it and he can still go and I realise there are problems with his neck and things like that but people can't tell me that that there's like, there's much of an issue now because he took that power slam through the table from Braun Strowman and I know that he's going to do it as safely as possible but there's no way he would be as fragile as people are saying if if they would have you know they allowed that to happen I thought that the Strowman thing worked really well I thought that the Miz was doing some of his best work and that is saying something I thought that the dynamic of the match was really strong yeah I'll I'll Go over to you before I start sounding too much like a fanboy, but I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> um, I I agree with you. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this match. Um, I thought Angle, he looked a bit lost at the start of the match, um, which, you know, he ha- he was inserted into this match after, you know, inverted commas, 11 years of not wrestling. Um, you know, but I thought Dean and Seth kind of helped him through it. I know that Angle worked a lot with Kane, who is a very safe worker. Um, I thought Braun did extremely well to get him through that table without killing the man, which was nice. Um, you know, when they came down, yeah, I was with you. I wanted Angle to return, you know, full, you know, full theme tune, new suck, 
you know, shouted from the crowd, you know, pyro, sod the money, get his pyro on there. Mm. Um, but instead he came down the stairs looking like a drunk dad who didn't trust his drunk sons at a rock concert, which ah. was nice. Um, but again, I don't know what Booker T's beef was with Kurt Angle, um, but he proper hated on Angle throughout the entire thing, which got a bit stale towards the end, but it's a minor gripe, a really minor gripe, because I, I really enjoyed this, really enjoyed it. The the garbage truck. Um, how do you feel about the garbage truck? How do you um, feel about a mayoral candidate committing murder? Well, I I like my wrestling nice and cheesy. Like I like I like a good topping of cheese on my wrestling. And absolutely, this, this was a nice bit of cheese. I love the spot where Kane yanked the chairs down onto him. I thought that the idea that Strowman was kind of like he. He was he was almost turned on by the team because they realised right we can't have him as a liability if we're going to get someone out of the match it needs to be him. Yeah. I like the idea that Miz realised instantly that he's probably going to get some comeuppance from Braun in the not so near future. I thought that even though that this was something that probably could have stood alone at TLC and there would have been no repercussions either way, I thought that they did well to build towards things after the, the pay per view because like we said that. You know the, the wheel keeps turning, and we need to find some kind of advancement after this. I thought that Angle on Raw talk afterwards. You know, it, it makes me really excited to see him in a singles match, probably towards WrestleMania season. I think that getting Roman back into the fold eventually, and having the actual Shield reunion, I think delaying that isn't the worst thing in the world because I think that now we can maybe build towards it even more because I felt like they were kind of they were pushed together into this angle quite quickly I think there was only about a month's build I'd say and yeah. they need, there does need to be a little bit more especially for something this big Seamus and Cesaro are fantastic I've completely changed my mind on them as a tag team Cesaro's mouth guard makes him look like a badass I've, <laughs> it really I've, does I, I, it, was, it almost took his teeth being knocked into his skull for me to start appreciating him as a heel and I, I, I'm sorry that it took this long you're a hardcore fan yeah please don't swing me around and round Cesaro <laughs> but yeah I uh, I loved it, and it set up Monday Night Raw perfectly. Oh, it really did. And I really hope that your next interview is with Cesaro, and by some miracle he is listening <laughs> to this podcast. I, I am trying my best to break into the WWE fold, so I will try my very best to get the, the Swiss Superman. <laughs> but yeah, a really, really good match. A fantastic end um, to TLC, and I thought the way that Angle came down, Angle slammed absolutely everyone, put Cesaro through that table and then just locked eyes with Miz. Brilliant. Final thing that I just want to bring out of this. I was one of those people who thought that Dean Ambrose pre-teaming with Seth was getting extremely stale. And I think it's just bought out this new intensity in him and I really find him invigorating to watch now that he's back with the Shield because he just looks like a badass now. I think he's he's got more to work with than he did when he was Intercontinental Champion in that rather aimless run. Yeah, agreed. I, I, I didn't like him for a long time. Like I thought he got unbelievably stale and I think that yeah, I think, think, think things are looking positive for once. Things are looking like the direction is there and it just reminds me that WWE can pull a fast one and can put a complete 180 whenever they please. Yeah, absolutely. Bar. It was a great show and I'd probably give it Three and a half, maybe four stars out of five. If I was to, if I was Dave Meltzer, which I'm not, 
But, you know, a really, really good show. And one of the better B-level pay-per-views of the year, definitely. Agreed. Um, so, we move on to Monday Night Raw. AJ Styles is still with Raw, apparently. Um, because apparently, why do a brand split? Um, mm. So, he was announced as a surprise fifth member of the Shield, along with Kurt Angle and Roman Reigns. To, I um, sorry, say again? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, um, to fight with Sheamus and Cesaro. We said on the last podcast that um, if we have tag teams fighting too much, it's going to go stuck. But I, you know, if you keep putting these two teams together in different combinations and in different ways, I'm not going to get bored of watching them. Like you said earlier, you know, Sheamus and Cesaro are fantastic together. Sheamus is relevant again. Who ever thought that would happen when he walked out of Survivor Series 2015 as the champion? You know, who thought that people would enjoy watching his work? Cesaro's the same. Um, and I just thought that him, Seth and Dean, really, really good chemistry. Um, AJ Styles looked absolutely incredible. The crowd ate it up. You know, they AJ Styles is universally known as one of the best wrestlers, and he was just really appreciated on Raw, which was good. Uh, working as a double agent, apparently, as we'll find out later. But, uh, yeah, a great match. A really, really good match. Good match. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, good match. Agreed. I agree on the AJ thing. I think that it's the way they did it was smart, uh, as we'll get into later. Obviously, I'm dying to talk about the main event, as we will do. <laughs> um, I, I think that I just I just think that things it, this highlights what I said about things ramping up again. And like you said about Sheamus, like I, I've always liked Sheamus. Like I liked when he came back as a heel. I know they didn't handle him brilliantly, but that's here or there it was a really really strong match I thought that it was again interesting that things were called back to in the main event segment and I I think this should be the last time that we see this pairing yeah I think that the issue is that Raw as we've said before is sorry, so thin on tag teams at the moment that they don't really have a choice which, you know, is a shame. Obviously, you've got the Hardys that can't compete. You've got the Revival who can't compete. East Slater and Rhino have disappeared. So, you know, the Golden Truth are no longer a tag team. So, tag team-wise, even though Sheamus and Cesaro and Seth and Dean are putting on such great matches, it's because there is no other alternative unless you create another tag team from mid-carders who aren't doing anything. Yeah, and they do do that quite a lot like I, I feel like there's a, there's a process behind that whole mid card building into the tag team thing and they get they're so hit and miss with it like I think I might one of my weird things is I always feel like there needs to be a name I don't like like I, I the, I'd much rather call them the bar than Seamus and Cesaro because I just think that it's a little tidbit and it's it may seem that not that important to some people but you need an identity mm. and especially when you're a tag team it unifies them. Precisely. Um, it's like when you had the Kane and the uh, Kane and Undertaker team, but it was the Brothers of Destruction. It just it unifies them as a team. I agree with that. Um, speaking of Kane, he came down to the ring, um, explained his actions of the previous night. Pretty much just wants to out monster the monster among men who was absent, obviously for this show, having been crushed to death by a garbage truck. Um, so he said he needed competition. Uh, down comes little Finn Balor who then proceeded to be squashed, um, which I originally hated. I was one of those Twitter 
Marks, who was like, why have you just squashed him after you gave him all the momentum after the AJ Styles match? I don't understand. I hate this. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, okay, it doesn't necessarily damage Finn because he's not the kind of the focal point of that match. It's about Kane and it's about Braun. So yes, I understand that they need to give Kane momentum to put him into this match at Survivor Series, this rumoured match at Survivor Series. Um, but at the same time, you have got to think, Finn is highly, highly rumoured to be taking on Brock at the Royal Rumble for the Universal title. You've got to give him and keep him with momentum leading into the Royal Rumble. Otherwise, it's just going to be seen as a joke. Agreed, 100%. And I... It is a double-edged sword here. I wasn't as I actually, I'm a weird fan of veterans getting wins sometimes. And although it came at the expense of Balor, I, I realise that people like Matt Hardy could have been in there. But I feel like Balor still needs to be treated as someone who can slip up sometimes. And I think that if they do go down the demon versus demon route eventually, that can work as quite a nice Raw main event or event, maybe a pay-per-view match or something like that. I think that Strowman. I almost feel like this Kane thing was meant for Roman and and to, to build towards the idea that Roman was going to retire Undertaker. Yeah, Roman obviously retired Undertaker, so I feel like that, that they're maybe building towards the idea that originally that Kane was there for retribution. I don't know whether or not that's 100% the case. We spoke about it last week. I think that, yeah, three chokeslams to finish ballot was a good thing, but I understand why people would be angry. Yeah, and I was with you. I was like, why can't they just feed him Jason Jordan? Um, because at the moment, I find it really difficult to give one iota of a shit about anything to do with Jason Jordan. So feed him to Kane, why not? Um, but, I don't know. The thing I'm worried about with Finn is that they are going to treat him in the same way they treated Daniel Bryan and they treated Sami Zayn by just giving him losses and going, it'll be fine, it's Finn Balor, he can eat a loss. I mean, it'd be interesting to see Finn's win-loss record, to be perfectly honest, because he did lose a few matches on his return. Because I know he lost to the Drifter, and I think he lost to the Miz. So, and when you consider he hasn't fought a lot, I mean, he's lost to Bray, definitely. So, they need to be careful with Finn, especially if they still want him to be a main event player, which is what he absolutely should be. Um, moving on, we've got Brock Lesnar. Um replying to Jinder's challenge, which I didn't really see a point to, as Kurt Angle had earlier in the night confirmed that Survivor Series is going to be SmackDown versus Raw again. So it's going to be champion versus champion, which would kind of insinuate that Brock had already accepted Jinder's challenge. But, you know, we had this, and it gave us Paul Heyman absolutely destroying all credibility Jinder has going into this match, which was beautiful. It was lovely to see, and I call back to the whole Kurt thing. He messed up a lot in that opening segment. Not only did he call him Jinder Mayhal. Oh, I forgot I about that. I wish I'd written that down. Jinder Mayhal, fantastic. I, I, I don't think that he was meant to confirm it at all. I, and I don't know whether or not that was intentional, but it didn't come across that way. And I felt like, like he even said, "Oh, uh, just like last year." No, instead of last year, there's going to be two matches. Uh, for the first time ever, even though the women's and men's were on the card last year. And I feel like it does feel like they've kind of pulled this 
this idea out of out of their back end a little bit in terms of the gender thing brilliant I thought that it was exactly what they needed to do they couldn't treat him like a serious contender because he's not I personally would like to see gender maybe get like a minimum of three or four more people on his little team because that's the only way I can buy into it as a credible thing and then maybe convince Brock to make it a no DQ or something like that I like I would have preferred maybe I didn't want Heyman to maybe crap on the idea of the Raw versus Smackdown thing too much I liked the singers conversely doing the same thing on Smackdown in terms of mocking him and as a whole I'll just put it out there now I used to love bragging rights like I don't know what it was I it was a really niche favorite pay-per-view of mine so I'm I'm all in on this kind of raw Smackdown thing yeah we mentioned it last week about how um, we enjoyed 2006's Survivor Series and if that was kind of what they're going to do from now on then I'm all in um, it's going to be interesting and I'm going to ask you obviously later on about what you think about the matches that they've so far set up and who you think is going to be on the 5 on 5 teams simply because with so many matches outside of those so you've got Jinder versus Brock so obviously neither of those can be on the teams you've got Seth and Dean against the Usos so obviously Seth and Dean can't be on the Raw team you've got Braun rumoured to be against Kane so Braun can't be on the Raw team Roman who might not be back from whether it's mumps or meningitis we don't know um, it's going to be interesting to see what players make the team um, the women's match we know who team captain is for Raw and it is Alicia Fox who is wearing her only shirt in this segment that she apparently has on WWE Shop um, as that was brought up but she's just oh, she's too crazy for me I, she's too loud she's too in my face at one point, I actually said to my television the words, please stop. Huh. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, Sasha Banks and Bailey. there's no way Alicia Fox should be beating Sasha Banks or Bailey. Never mind both of them in a single night. Um, but aside from the match, which was fine, it was a good match, um, Alicia won uh, after tossing Bailey into Sasha, then pinning Bailey. After giving Bailey a Bailey to Belly, I've said Bailey a lot in that sentence, um, <laughs> there was no pop for Bailey when she came out like literally nothing that concerns me that really concerns me I wish I could say I was surprised but I'm not and I I don't think you are like it's it's it is concerning but it's not surprising given everything that's happened I agree in terms of I don't understand I'm not as down on Alicia as you but I do think that her being captain is a little bit bizarre uh, I don't really understand the logic behind it. I don't really, I just don't get it. I, I mean, this is something that I'm going to have to see play out. But it's it's really weird how they had such a good show, like series of shows over the last few days, and then we actually look at the card for what they're building to, and it seems so incomplete. It seems so kind of fifty fifty. And yeah, I think that Bailey needs a, a shift up. We said it last week. I think that anything we say again it would be redundant. And I think that Alicia Fox is there as kind of like a token of their gratitude, kind of like when they used to give old folk the World Heavyweight title as a thank you for being around. Yeah, which isn't how it should be viewed, and it certainly shouldn't be how Alicia's viewed. I've just, I've lost, I don't, I just don't care about her really, which is sad, you know, but I just, I just don't. And I don't know whether that'll feed into some kind of dissent throughout the ranks of the Raw women's team, um, because SmackDown seem, 
I don't know whether it's just because they've got a legitimate captain in Becky Lynch or whether it's just because aside from Sasha Banks, Bailey, and Oscar, you haven't really got a lot on Raw. So I don't know. I don't know. I just, I'm just not. I'm just not feeling it. I'm not feeling it at all. Speaking of things I'm not feeling, cruiserweight time, which seems to be a theme. <laughs> but why on earth did we have this when it was announced an hour ago? that this is going to be on Survivor Series in the exact same format. Why have we just had this? And why on earth is Sam, is um, Enzo Amore's team called the Zotrain? Can we yeah. just can we put that forward as the worst name on Raw at the moment? I was going to say in wrestling, but there's one on SmackDown, which I will get to, that's far worse. Um, I, just, I don't understand the thinking behind this at all. Do you know what this reminded me of? This was like when you when you pay for something on contactless and it's like a fiver and you forget that you've paid for it, so you think, oh, I can I can pay for something else. I can pay for this thing again because I can't really <laughs> can't really remember whether or not it's going to out in the future, whether or not there's going to be repercussions for this. This was like someone said to Vince, "We're thinking about having this match. What do you think?" And he said, "I'll get back to you after Raw." And then they had the match, thinking. Oh, maybe he won't have it again. Maybe it won't. Akin to like you thinking, maybe the contactless money won't come out. Maybe it'll be all good. And then the contactless money comes out. The news comes out that Vince wants this on the pay per view, and they realise, oh, we've messed up because we've already done it. It's just, I did, I did, I, I didn't care about it like that much watching it, and I'm not gonna give one iota of shit about it when it goes down to Survivor Series. No, and it's a shame, but it's the same reasons we spoke about before. There's such great competitors in the cruiserweight division. I mean, Grand Metalite deserves a little bit of a shout out in this match. I thought he was fab, you know, brilliant. But I just I don't care about the cruiserweight division. And when you consider it as a match that didn't have T.J. Perkins in it, and I'm actually missing T.J. Perkins. Good grief, that is saying something about the state of this division, isn't it? Um. Finally, we had Under Siege. Um. Before we go into this bit, which I know you're dying to talk about, as am I. Did you feel? like you'd missed an episode of Raw before this happened. How so? Because the Under Siege SmackDown coming onto Raw, it felt like there wasn't enough motivation for SmackDown to come and invade Raw, destroy the locker room, bring her angle out. There just didn't seem to be enough motivation kind of established in that one episode of Raw. It felt like in from the start of Raw to... The end. Think of it as a play. It felt like I'd seen Act One, I'd been to the toilet through Act Two, and in Act Three, I was watching the payoff of what happened in Act Two. Yeah, I can, I can, under, I can understand that, and I can understand people thinking that there's no motive for them to do it. And I, they kind of cleared it up on SmackDown, but something that's been coming out lately that over well, the last few days that I've taken kind of a, a, a not offense, but I disagree with, is that people are saying that. Smackdown are definitely heels because what they did was so heinous and things like that. I, I I get it, but if we're thinking in kayfabe, what is the job? What is their job? Their job is to beat people up. And their job is literally to be wrestlers. Their job is to be the alpha males. People are saying that it doesn't make sense for them to team together. Surely it makes the whole Raw versus SmackDown thing more important that the, face, the faces and heels are thinking, let's scrap all of our, you know, put our differences aside because the the greater good and the most important thing is this team this just made 
all the sense in the world to me. And I, I get that the motives weren't necessarily there. The one thing I will say, and I can see it, I can, I under, I know you're going to hate this as well. Things like Shinsuke Nakamura was wearing a blue shirt, prancing around the ring like he was just any other guy. That to me was one of the most offensive things about the segment. But it's it's weird. Yeah, you you go next, and then we'll get get really into it. Okay. Well, this going off that point. At one point on the notes which I sent to you. I actually put, it's SmackDown's mid-card, why have we got no Orton, no Charlotte, and no Nakamura? That is how much I didn't realise he was there, that I thought he wasn't there. Which kind (laughs) of goes to show that he is this amazing talent, and I didn't realise he was literally lost in the crowd. Quite literally lost in the crowd. Um, But effectively, for those probably five of you who didn't see this, uh, SmackDown invaded after Shane McMahon uttered Under Siege, which apparently is now... Uh, massively over with the crowd. I don't think SmackDown can be classed as the heels until we've seen Raw's response. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I mean, I know I have seen a lot of people. Yeah, well, that's really that's really heel. Yeah, well, look at the Raw women last year. Yeah, the, we had Bailey commit, you know, an assault basically. Bailey, hugger Bailey, and she came in and just destroyed Charlotte. But yeah. I mean, like I said, there was no Orton, there was no Charlotte, um, so. You needed more people there to make it, but I thought Rusev, Rusev was brilliant. He really looked like he was having the time of his life. Um, the high bros, what do they bring to the table, really? I mean, I understand that it's about banding SmackDown together, but some of the choices were a bit weird. Though I did enjoy the fact that uh, there was no Brock, there was no Asuka. Um, you know, they didn't attack anyone like that. Though they did attack the Shield, which made me, which. I enjoyed. Dean took possibly the hardest bump of the night through those barrels. I don't know who it was who launched him into it. I think it was AJ. But good grief, he connected with those barrels when the shield attacked. Um, I really enjoyed it. It's going to make the next four weeks leading up into Survivor Series. It's going to make it really interesting to watch. It's going to make it really fun to watch. Um, I hope that because of the matches that I've already stated, which we'll go into uh, later on, that the five on fives give other superstars a chance to shine. You know, because it would be a shame after, and I'm using Rusev as an example again, after Rusev has had this, you know, he was so into it, you know, he was the one who delivered the match kick to Titus O'Neil, he was the he seemed to be the main focus of it. It'd be a shame if he wasn't on Survivor Series now. So but again, I loved it. Yeah, there was no motive. Yeah, it seemed to come from absolutely nowhere, but I don't care. It was good. It made it compelling watching. Kurt Angle sold it like an absolute dream. I know you spoke about how we kind of fumbled over a few things in the opening promo, but I thought he sold being shocked brilliantly. I thought he really did. Anyway, go for it, because I know you're dying to say something. I just... The thing about this was that when when they came down the ramp initially, or when they came out the crowd initially, I thought to myself, this is going to be it. Like every other thing, where they come down, have a stare down, and this and that. And then when Shane said under siege, I was a bit like, okay, maybe, maybe there's something could happen here. When Kurt went to the back, I was like, oh, interesting. What are they going to do? They're just going to stand there. Even when they went to the back, I was like, right, we're going to cut to them backstage, and then what? You know, what's going to happen, really? And the second that Xavier was like, hey, Apollo, what's up, baby? And then just kicked <laughs> the ever-loving, yeah, ever-loving shit out of him. 
from that point on, I was all in on this. I thought that these kind of things make you invested. These kind of things, even face or heels, I just watched this and I thought when when Rollins and Ambrose were hiding and then they jumped on top of them, I was more into them than I've ever been because you're like on one hand, I think SmackDown have been the undervalued brand, so this makes a ton of sense for them to come come out of the, the woods first and come firing out the gates and getting the first shot. But even like little bits and bobs, whenever a raw guy or raw girl got a shot, and I was like, yeah, this is great. Or when the girls went off against each other and and then um, and the guys were just kind of cheering them on. It was a little bit weird, but I thought that was, even that was great. Like you said, Kurt being shot was fantastic. I thought that I like interaction between superstars that otherwise won't interact with each other. I think that it's different. I think that it's unique. I think it makes the idea of wanting to be the superior brand feel important and it's something they don't build up enough and there's been so little interaction between Raw and Smackdown superstars over the last 12 months that the fact that this happened it was shocking in the, all of the right kind of ways it got people like Baron Corbin and Rusev like you said over a little bit more it makes them feel more important it makes the whole scenario feel more important and it makes you think to yourself what is going to happen next like like we said, there. I know it's the next point on in the first one for SmackDown, but no raw retaliation. Yeah, that's a good thing because SmackDown would be prepared for something coming back at them. They would be ready for it. They will be paranoid. They will be thinking to themselves, "What's next?" It's different. It adds an element of uniqueness to it, which is something I've been craving and dying to see. People would have wanted to see Strowman come out and kick, you know, everything in sight, punch everything in sight. That would be his Stone Cold Steve Austin moment. We can wait for that. That can build. Maybe it's not Strowman. Maybe it's someone else that does that. There are so many avenues they can go down. There was so much in this that made me think, this is why I want to be a wrestling fan. This is why I continue to be a wrestling fan, because I want to be caught off guard. I want to be made to think, you know, maybe they're actually go like when they're when they're attacking Apollo and people like that backstage, they've been told go and make this look real. Maybe they've maybe they've actually started hitting them and stuff like when Nexus did. Like I remember seeing Punk telling a story of when Nexus were actually beating the crap out of them legitimately, and it turned into an actual fight. Good. I want to see that. I want to feel like Raw and SmackDown hate each other, and that if one of them loses, it is going to really hurt them. At Survivor Series, I want to see when one person beats the next in, say, Raw will go one nil up. I want to see them put a one on the on the screen. I don't want them to just you know, base who wins the night off of, you know, personal opinion. I want them to make it feel like an athletic event because that is what it's starting to feel like. And I just, everything about this made me happy. Everything about this made it feel like like they're, they're building towards something big. And I can't tell you how much I want Shane McMahon versus Kang. Oh, God, no. That would be a fantastic... That's actually one of the few things I would actually like to see Shane McMahon in. Um, rather than just trying to take the spotlight and you know doing his ridiculously high spots, having a full-on match with reason against someone like Kurt Angle, who he has history with, you know, oh, it would be fantastic, I agree. Overall, a fantastic show overall. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it was still three hours, but do you know what? I enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good show. Same for SmackDown. I thought SmackDown was a good show. Um, like you said, you mentioned there was no raw retaliation. 
you know, which is fantastic. Build that. I wouldn't send anyone over till the show before Survivor Series. Let SmackDown start thinking, well, Raw aren't going to retaliate. And then just send Braun and re-debut Samoa Joe. Oh, beautiful. Just send those over. Just send them and, like, you know, every now and then we'll cut backstage and there's another SmackDown superstar on the ground. You know, what is happening? Don't send. Don't do the same thing. Don't have everyone in the ring. Just send a couple of people over. You know, when it comes to the main event and whoever's in the main event, you know, their music starts, but they aren't coming out, can't, aren't coming down because they're on the floor backstage because they've been assaulted by Raw. That's the way to do it. And you know, like you said, it's it's made wrestling fans invested in what's happening. And it's been so long since we've had a storyline like this where it isn't predictable. And I just hope that the Raw response is something different. Because I'd much prefer that to be a calculated thing and then have SmackDown as the mass, kind of mass just brawling. You know, have them as two very, very different, distinct sides who fight in very different, distinct ways. That's my take on it, anyway. Um, Yeah, SmackDown, really good show. I loved the back and forth between Shane McMahon and Sami. Oh, my God, Sami Zayn is an absolute treasure. His, his dancing in front of Shane was absolutely fantastic as his theme music was going and he was just skanking. It was amazing. I absolutely loved it. Um, I love the fact that he said, well, me and Kevin Owens weren't there because we don't fight for tyrants. I thought that was really good. And then he said, but for you, we will help out. Um, I like the fact that he's not been part of the Survivor Series match. And I think if they announce that it's Kevin Owens versus Nakamura next week, to me... Nakamura will win that and then there'll be some way in which Owens and Zayn will help Smackdown lose that match to kind of stick one up Shane McMahon and carry on that storyline what do you think? Yeah and I almost feel like that's too it is so mapped out now that so many people are thinking that is what's going to happen and if it does people are going to be like oh well you know not that much of a surprise and we could kind of forecast it a way out but I agree. Sami Zayn is my favourite wrestler, um, for those who don't know. And I was really worried about this heel turn. I, I did not think it would work at all. It has already. I, I'm, He's just fab. I just can't put it into any other word. He is fab. He, he is. He is one of the best in the world when it comes to, if not the best in the world when it comes to character work. He... People say that they get annoyed with him backstage because he's so intricate with what he wants to do. Good. That makes him a great professional wrestler. That makes him one of the best in the world. That makes him one of SmackDown's most valuable assets. And we've seen that. We saw that this week. We saw that, saw that last week. He is money. And as a face or as a heel, he's perfect in what he does, in the role he plays. And, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I agree. I just thought everything with everything with this start was brilliant. Um, Shane McMahon looked pumped. You know, he's ready for this Survivor Series bout. He's billed it as the biggest thing, which I like. Keep billing it as that big. And then, obviously, Sami Zayn was brilliant. Might as well go on to the main event, just kind of, because obviously it involves Sami Zayn. Lost to Orton. Um, again, to start with, I was like, oh, why? Have Sami Zayn on the team? And then I thought, nah, it makes sense. Um, I love the fact that Orton did it in a heelish way because it gives Sami something else to feel aggrieved by, um, which was really good. And then, obviously, Kevin Owens came back. Thank goodness there's nothing too serious, you know, when he is back. Um, 
We spoke about the tag division on Raw and how really, with injuries and some things that are out of WWE's control, that they've only really got the Shield and the Bar. Um, quite the contrary on SmackDown. You know, they've really built Gable and Benjamin up to be a, a legitimate threat to the SmackDown tag team titles, as they should be. You know, they had a match with the uh, the New Day, which I thought was brilliant. Really, really good match as well. I think Xavier Woods is really underrated as a wrestler. Um, because I know you know Biggie's fantastic, Kofi's fantastic. Xavier is usually the one on the on the side, though he is wrestling more recently. Um, I just think that this entire match was brilliant. The Usos on commentary are brilliant. I can't say enough good things about these three teams, to be perfectly honest. And obviously, once Brizango returned to the ring and stopped doing the fashion files, and then we've got that team, which I shall be discussing later. You know, they'll be making an appearance. You've got five solid teams. I know that the high bros are supposedly falling out, and at some point that will lead to a feud, so we can kind of discount them. But the SmackDown tag division looks far stronger than the Raw tag team division. Though, I imagine the Shield will beat the Usos at Survivor Series. I would have thought so, yeah. And back, just we'll, I'll go quickly back to the Sammy thing. I, I thought that it was, like you said, it was a great main event. I really loved how Orton got his own back and kind of sh- sh- like grabbed his face and kind of looked at Owens. I thought that was really, really effective. That worked well. Moving on to the tag teams, the Usos shouldn't like. I don't understand the whole thing about Gate. I, I agree with you completely about um, how they're building a really good division. I don't really understand why they're thinking about turning Gable and Benjamin heel. I don't really see the point. I think that the Usos are in their element as heels. Their theme music, the way they walk to the ring, the way they look at the crowd, the way they dress. My God, if you put Roman Reigns with them, that is the hottest heel faction this side of the NWO. <laughs> that would be amazing. God. Yes, please. Like they, Imagine like Roman and the Usos coming out of that, like the, like the cocky dickhead Samoans. The, the <laughs> that would you, have to be the name. Oh yeah, the fucking <laughs> If that happens, that's what we're going to call them. Absolutely. And the Usos are fantastic. They're absolutely brilliant. I, I think that the only way is up. And this match against Ambrose and Rollins has the potential to be match of the year. Absolutely, absolutely. Because everything the Usos have done with the New Day has been gold. There hasn't been a, a misstep between the two, from the rap battle, which was fantastic, to every pay-per-view match they've put on you know absolutely amazing their match at SummerSlam which was on the pre-show was fantastic I just think they're brilliant in fact I would go as far to say as they are my favourite act of 2017 because they because in 2000 and well let's go from their face to their face run I could not care less about the Usos when they did that ridiculous bloodline story with Roman it was like, oh my god, I hate this too. I hate them. I absolutely hate them. They are bland. There's nothing to them. And then since the heel turn, oh my god, I've never seen such a revitalized act. It's unbelievable that everything they've done has been fantastic, and they deserve to be atop the tag division. Absolutely. Yes, they will lose at Survivor Series. That's pretty much the lock, apart from Brock versus Jinder. Um, but I thought absolutely brilliant. I think they will be absolutely brilliant. I'm with you. I think it will be a contender for you know WWE's match of the year, definitely. Um, everything they've done is absolutely amazing. I'm not sure about a Gable and Benjamin heel turn. I mean, yeah, they cheated to win, but is that enough to necessarily turn them heel in this feud? I'd hope not. I'd I really hope, hope not. Really hope not. For, for all the reasons we've discussed, the Usos are just fantastic as heels. Why on earth would you want to lose that? Um, 
Then we moved on to the women, um, which was fantastic for one line and one line only. Um, all the women were backstage, as they all tend to be, to be perfectly honest. And Daniel Bryan walked in and said, right, it's time to talk about Survivor Series. Um, we're going to have a match. Fatal five-way. You're all on the team. We just need to establish his captain, which is brilliant. Lana comes forward and says, yes, but the six of us. And Daniel Bryan just said, oh, yeah, not you, Lana, which I thought was fantastic, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. Because if Lana had been on the team, you know, at the expense of any other woman on that team, it would have been criminal. I mean, even Tamina, and I don't rate Tamina, but I thought she's she's got to be on the team ahead of ahead of Lana, really, hasn't she? Um, but I just I loved it. And then we moved on to another really underrated segment between Daniel Bryan and Shane. I thought the interaction between the two was really, really good. You know, how Daniel was offended that he didn't know, um, about how Shane, for the first time, is effectively just being a dick to Daniel Bryan. And I've read lots of cynical things that have said, yeah, they've only done this so that when Raw come, they don't batter Daniel Bryan because of all his concussions. They put Kurt Angle through a pissing table using Braun Strowman. Okay, I don't think they're that bothered. But I like the idea that it's so in those discs because those two have always been the two that have been like, yeah, we do everything together and just this little bit of dissent. And I think it works in well with what Zayn and Owen said last week about, you know, how he's become this company man, you know, and how look at what they're doing and look at what you've been forced to do now. I, I really think that this is all going to play in and it's going to be a really interesting time. Whether it leads to, you know, him eventually leaving, you know, storyline leaving WWE and then he goes to wrestle for Ring of Honor or New Japan or whoever he you know he returns to the ring for I don't know but I really enjoyed these these segments really enjoyed it yeah 100% agreed in every way imaginable I think that Shane and Daniel Bryan have long since been overdue some dissension I think that anyone that knows Bryan's character or has seen his character develop knows that Bryan has so much fire in him and the the, the, the idea behind him actually making something happen with Shane on a more personal level adds so many possibilities and that's what I'm all about I love possibilities in wrestling and I think that obviously sometimes there isn't much substance behind it but we've got substance we've got the storyline that Brian disagrees with him and he should disagree with him because in essence it wasn't a professional thing to do at all like the idea that they're building a good working relationship between Raw and Smackdown and then they just crush it because it's this time of year but not just because it's this time of year but because they want supremacy it makes all the sense in the world I'm really interested in like Smackdown completely turned on its head really interested to see how they go moving forward and I mean can we just magic Daniel Bryan back to hell so we can have the evil Canadians against Bryan and Jane <laughs> I would absolutely love that. Absolutely love that. But I did see um, Daniel Bryan's tweet after they cleared Kurt Angle. So it is possible. I thought that, yeah. I mean, there's absolutely, there's no way the WWE are going to clear him now. If they were going to clear him, they would have cleared him for that thing with The Miz. Yeah. Um, so they're not going to. So I think once his, uh, once his contract's up, I think it's September 2018, he's gone. Yeah. And I can't say I blame him, to be to be honest. Everything he does backstage, you know, he puts heart and soul into, but you can tell he just wants to wrestle. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, we had the Fatal Five way. Not a lot to say apart from Becky Lynch submitted Carmel with a disarmor to become team captain, which is fair because Becky Lynch looked terrifying on Raw. She looked like she was going to wrestle some of the men. She was that into the fight. Ah. Um, Carmella, another loss. Um, 
do you think cash-in is imminent at Survivor Series? Of course it is. That's what they do, isn't it? It's yep. just... Like, Becky, like you said, she looks like a machine. And that, like I love the whole idea that... They should really build up the idea that... like. They, they need to remember that she was going to fight Chris Cyborg at SummerSlam while she wanted to. And they need to remember that her her boyfriend is literally a professional UFC fighter. Like, let's get that in the storyline, please, because she could be an absolute machine going forward. Um, yeah, Carmella is losing a lot. She will probably cash in. And knowing uh, WWE, she will probably win. Yes, I can't see them having both briefcases uh, cashing in and being lost to be perfectly no. honest, especially after Baron Corbin lost it in such spectacular fashion. Oh, um, was... It was it was dreadful, wasn't it? Um, but uh, Carmella as champ, um, I mean, it can't be any more boring than Natalia's reign, I suppose. Um, but, you know, we discussed it on the last podcast. The sooner they have Charlotte atop that division where she belongs, as a heel, because I'm over Charlotte being a face, um, the better. And then Charlotte versus Asuka at Wrestlemania please because that would be a championship versus championship match I'd love to see um, Baron Corbin lost again <laughs> the United States champion hasn't won a match since he won the United States championship uh, both matches against Sin Cara who clearly needs all the momentum in the world but I did like this week where he only won because Baron wouldn't stop battering the living hell out of him that if you're going to make Baron Corbin lose, that's the way you make him lose, and still make him look like a like a monster. Because when you consider he's got a match against the Miz at Survivor Series, um, and then you make him lose every match on SmackDown, how on earth is he a legitimate contender? How on earth is he a legitimate threat to the Miz, who is brilliant? He really is. So I just, I. I did like what they did this week, but I just hope that he starts getting some wins under his belt because otherwise it's just going to be a ridiculously boring title reign and he's not going to build any momentum at all, really. I I feel bad for Corbin. Like WWE have created him to the point where he looks like what happens when you press the random button on create a wrestler on WWE 2K18. <laughs> his vest, his hair, his, his, his sponsored armbands... He is like even his trousers are dull. I just he's dull and he's boring, and I and I don't want I don't want to feel that way because I remember watching him in his debut match in the next day where he hit that move on CJ Parker and then won instantly with the end of days, and I was like, wow, this guy's something. And I love the end of days, one of my favorite finishes. I, I know it's so it, it, it's beautifully set up, beautifully performed. I like that he's unhinged. If they if they have to go one of two ways with that, they either need to completely throw that aside the idea that he's that unhinged and stuff or they need to go 100% in on it and if they go 100% in on it we could have something more interesting but I don't know if I trust them to do that but yeah I think that he needs to kind of build up maybe maybe change the look of the title a bit I don't know just do something to make it feel like him holding that belt is unique and different he is unique you know his whole persona is that he's unique he's the lone wolf so if he's unique like you say do something unique with him don't hold back same as Bray Wyatt go 100% in on him you know go 100% because when you hold him back it's just boring and it's just repetitive so like you say his moveset's really good you know I really like Deep Six as well Um, so he just needs we need something from Corbin finally we spoke about um, names earlier of tag teams oh good god Lerowin and Harper Oh dear. 
the Bludgeon Brothers, straight from mid-90s WCW there. Um, so, basically, Harper on interview said he didn't want to be part of the tag team, he wanted to be pushed as a single star. And during the Orton Wyatt storyline, you know, he was seen by many as someone who should be in the main event at Mania, sorry, in the, in the match at Mania with Orton and Wyatt. And yes, I would have absolutely loved that, but it didn't happen. So, he then had a match in the number one contendership Royale that um, Jinder won to become champion and then he hasn't been seen we've been hear- hearing that he's been repackaged and it turns out that they have been spending this time getting big hammers and learning to read scripts apparently because it sounds like Luke Harper has never read words before in those promos it genuinely looks like he's you know when you accidentally text someone's answer phone and yeah. it comes through and you listen to the answer phone message and it's like, I am here and it is... That's how Harper sounds during those promos. Rowan looks all in. But yeah. Harper's just like broken bones and it's crap what they're saying. I hate this. Absolutely hate Just, Just put them as Harper and Rowan again. Nobody cares. Just put them as Harper and Rowan again. Get them destroying tag teams and give them the tag team belts don't repackage them as this ridiculous 1995 bullshit that got viewership to the point where the WWE was in genuine trouble because that is what this is this is ridiculous you've got two grown men beating up a GoPro with hammers what? just make them a legitimate threat make them look badass they are two badass dudes yes Rowan can't wrestle Um, Harper can though and Rowan can throw people round. That's all they need to do. You don't need to give them obscenely bloated characters. Just make them legit and just put them in a feud instead of these horrible, horrible kind of vignettes, which are ridiculous. I really don't like this, can you tell? And also, the name. Oh, the name. Oh, I'm done. I'm done now. It's a beautiful rant. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> I, wish, I wish that had popcorn as well. It was fantastic. Um, yeah, no, I was going to bring up the thing about uh, Harper sounding about as enthusiastic as someone sounds when they get told that a family member's died. Like, exactly. Honestly, it was. Uh, it's hard to watch, and I feel sorry for them. I feel like they. It's funny because I saw an interview where Harper said that he feels like they are. They they they've got unfinished business. But like you said, six months ago. He could have been in the main one of the main events of WrestleMania, and I know it was potentially not likely to happen, but the tease was there, and yeah. I I just feel like now we're in a position where we're back to square one, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, I guess, if they if they end up winning the titles, but it is a hefty division now, and they're going to have to make some real noise. I my whole thing is the 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 gimmick doesn't bother me as much as it does for you but my thing is get the seg- get these vignettes done with and just get them in the ring like i'm done with these vignettes now if you want to call them the bloody bludgeon brothers or the balamori ballerinas whatever it is whatever just i'm not i'm not a fan of it but i'm willing to move on from it as long as i can see them do what they used to do in the ring and as long as it doesn't affect what they do in terms of being in the arena too much but I understand your reservations absolutely. I don't like it either, but I'm just I want to see what happens next now. I mean, if you're going to debut them as the Basham kids or the Bash Street kids or whatever you want to call them, 
just have them debut in a match, ruin someone's match and leave. Okay? Keep the hoods. I'd rather you get rid of the weird Thor-like toy hammers, but if you want to keep them, fine. And just have them not say a word and just make life miserable for the tag team division. That's all you've got to do. They don't. Every wrestler doesn't need a vignette. Just literally debut someone by entering into a match, destroying it, leaving. Okay, next week. Exactly like they did with Sanity. That is how to debut a tag team. They didn't have stupid vignettes saying the debut of Sanity soon. Uh. Just No, just leave it. And look how legit Sanity are now. Everyone's like, oh, they should be on the main roster. No, don't put them on the main roster. Look what happens to NXT superstars on the main roster. <sighs> anyway, that was Raw, SmackDown and TLC. Overall, a fantastic week of wrestling. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm exhausted from that Bludgeon Brothers rant now. Uh, the two... <laughs> I'm going to go and have a lie down shortly there's just two bits of news that I've seen really um, one I didn't bring up uh, I, I sort of teased it last week and then didn't bring it up again um, that King of the Ring the name is apparently returning uh, WWE are currently talking to ITV here in the UK uh, about starting a brand new TV show called King of the Ring that is to involve the UK division what do you think? Um. I like it, but I my my weird thing is like I don't go on I, I don't watch ITV or BBC or Channel Four for wrestling. It's almost like that. It's almost that coming into my world is very odd, and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know whether the purpose behind them putting on this kind of thing is so that they can. Cause it feels like they're just trying to hamstring people a little bit, and I. I don't know. I don't know. I'm 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 not sure how I feel about the whole UK thing. To be perfectly honest, I. I because I don't know where they're going to end up. Because if if it's just this and they never evolve into becoming main event stars like the cruiserweights with people like Tyler Bate and uh, Pete Dunne, then I don't really want it to happen. No, I'm after seeing the fall of Two Hundred Five Live. I'm very loath to give the UK superstars a show of their own, and that is only because they deserve so much more. Pete Dunne, he should be on the main roster now. He's phenomenal, absolutely yeah. amazing. Tyler Bates, Trent Seven, you've got Mark Andrews, um, even Wolfgang. You know, you've got some really good competitors there, but I think put them in NXT and make the United States Championship the other title on NXT because you've got a lot of people on NXT now. So that's what I would do simply because that gives them direction, gives them regular TV time, let them compete in England for the promotions that they are already competing for. That's fine, but have them on NXT. I'd have them more regularly on NXT as opposed to where once in a blue moon there's a championship match. But, you know, look at what they're capable of. In my opinion, take over Chicago, the match between uh, Dunn and Bate was one of the matches of the year. Without a shadow of a doubt, it was absolutely phenomenal. And when you've got people who can go like that, don't waste them. Yeah. I was going to bring that up, that match, specifically, because it is great. And I've seen people say don't put them all on NXT because it'll be too much of an influx of British talent. It's like... Do people not realise that, like, a show, TV shows like The Walking Dead, half the cast are bloody British. I know. Like, and and, and it, it's things like that. Like, it doesn't matter what nationality they're from. It doesn't matter. That kind of thing just doesn't matter. Like you said, get them on NXT. I'd much rather see that. Yeah, look at the amount of Canadian wrestlers on the main roster, if you're going to say that. Exactly. So, I, that's what I would do. I think that the UK wrestlers deserve that. We should do a podcast of top uh, matches because, honestly, I think that the TakeOver Chicago one should be near the top along with uh, Styles versus Cena from the Rumble um, finally last piece of news and then I've got one final question for you the last piece of news Jeff Jarrett 
what is happening with Jeff Jarrett at the moment? What's happening with Impact Wrestling as it's now been reverted to? It's no longer Global Force Wrestling, apparently. As Jeff Jarrett turned up to a date steaming drunk, passed out, and was therefore dismissed from uh, Impact, who have severed all ties with Global Force Wrestling after spending all that time uh, unifying all the titles. Um, And Jeff Jarrett has today, I believe, announced that he's gone voluntarily into rehab. It's unfortunate. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, it's it's not it's not exactly something we like to see. Unfortunately, the last few days have been littered with things in wrestling that we don't like and we don't want to see. Um, and yeah, I think that it, Jeff's always come across as a bit of a knob to the casual wrestling fan. But if it, if this is one of the reasons why, then good good for him to, good for going and getting help. And it's unfortunate that these kind of things need to happen in order for something to change. I don't I don't want to see him be like that I mean nobody does it's not he might be not everyone he might not be everyone's cup of tea but even people who don't like him are saying you know at least he's getting doing something about it and I guess that's all we can decipher from it is it's a shame it's a shame that they did build up all that time and now they said that they like you said they've severed the ties but hopefully something blossoms out of this but we've been saying that for a long time with DNA yeah it's uh I mean we could spend an hour and a half just talking about TNA and the the history of the brand and how it should have been brilliant and it just it just isn't but I mean we wish Jeff Jarrett all the best obviously it's good that he's voluntarily getting help for this and like you said it's unfortunately something that is still you know rife in in wrestling um you know both drugs and alcohol so hopefully he's better soon so survivor series is approaching harry and we've both stressed how excited we are for the build-up and how excited we are for the pay-per-view. Who makes your Survivor Series 5-on-5? Okay, right. Well, I have, because they've already announced one half of the women's, I've, I've done the men's. And okay. I have the men's. Um, this is going to be odd. This is, might, might seem a little bit weird to some people, but I'm, I'm going to just go ahead and say it. For me, my Raw team would be Sheamus, Cesaro... Ben Balor and the last two which are quite controversial because they could, there are varying circumstances at play Braun Strowman because I feel like the Kane thing is like it, it's, it would be so WWE for them to just forget about it and put Strowman in a match for the sake of it which I feel like they're going to do <sighs> Yes. and because I'm just hopeful that he's going to be back in time Roman Reigns yep that's a strong team Smackdown Smackdown is Randall Keith Orton as we already know he is in that team Shinsuke Nakamura uh, I think he's going to win against Owens AJ Styles because obviously they can't have the title match with Jinder quite yet Bobby Roode I think it's it's important for him to beat Ziggler next week it's important for him to be in that team and the Bulgarian brute himself Rusev right well I will tell you now that my SmackDown team is very, very similar to yours. Very, very similar. Though I suppose, you know, there is far less talent on SmackDown to actually put in a five-on-five match. Do you want to do the women? I imagine that they pretty much write themselves. Especially I... the SmackDown team's done. Yeah, the SmackDown team has been done, hasn't they? Actually, they've literally announced it. So yeah. I'm looking the female team for... I, I, I wouldn't... I don't know if I'd have Asuka in there, to be honest. I... Because I, I, I'm looking at the roster now, and I don't know if we if we're thinking logically here. Alicia Fox, that's one. Bailey, that's another. Sasha Banks, uh, Mickey James, and I guess Emma. 
Yeah. So I guess that that's all they really can do unless they have Nia Jax make a, like a surprise leave a return or Paige makes a surprise return which both of which would be interesting but yeah I think that's the five okay so I think they're pretty good teams uh, I think they're very close to what the WWE will do uh, my Smackdown men's team so I'll do the men's teams first my Smackdown team because this pretty much writes itself you've got Randy Orton uh, Shinsuke Nakamura who I believe will beat Kevin Owens next week AJ Styles, I think you've got Bobby Roode, who I think will beat Dolph Ziggler in the two or two out of three falls match they've got next week. SmackDown should be good next week. And I'm torn between two people. I think it would be a shame, because the New Day was so prevalent as well, that the New Day aren't going to be in it at all. Mm. So it's either going to be Rusev or potentially Biggie Langston. Yeah, Biggie would be the other one. I think out of those three, you've got to have Biggie. It's a good point. I think New Day were kind of leading the charge, and maybe, maybe one of the angles is that they just, when Raw come back because they were so prevalent, maybe they just completely destroy New Day and they and they write them off, and that can maybe that could be why SmackDown kind of uh, are put on the back foot and maybe made more babyface ish kind of. Could work definitely. Um, so. My Raw men's team is slightly different to yours, and the reason is because I think that once Strowman's done with Kane, they won't have Strowman in the match to make it look more of a. Because if I think Stro, if I think if Strowman's in the men's team, Raw will win. It's it's that simple. Because yeah. they've, I mean, who SmackDown got that can compete with that? You've got Rusev, I suppose, but well, he's well, giving nothing on Strowman. Well, you say that he was in it last year and Raw lost. That is true. That is true, and they had no right to lose whatsoever. You know, they gave all that momentum to Bray Wyatt, who used it so well. Um, <laughs> still, still hurts. Still hurts. Um, the Raw's men team. So I've got Roman. I think Roman will return by them. Uh, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, and then the Bar. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Samoa Joe makes that a lot of sense. Um, if he's back well obviously again if he's back I think that there have been stronger teams absolutely mm-hmm. certainly 100% I think last year would probably last be a strong year, yeah. but I, the thing I get excited about in these matches is seeing how each individual shines and I'm gonna it will be interesting to see yeah I agree um, obviously Smackdown women's team's already done so finally my Raw women's team Captain Alicia Fox um, Sasha Banks <laughs> Bailey, Emma and then Paige. I think Paige will return. There's that, a lot of people saying she's going to SmackDown. I disagree. Yeah, they love just compiling the misery of SmackDown by putting them all on the wall. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's pretty much it. Um, I mean, if you've liked you've heard, what you've heard, why not talk to us on social media? Follow us on Twitter at WAM Podcast UK. Like the Facebook page for more wrestling content, polls, debates. Subscribe, subscribe to the YouTube channel and to the podcast on iTunes. Don't forget to visit the website at www.wrestlingandmoreblog.weebly.com. You can find Harry at Twitter where? At HJ Kettle. Fantastic. You can find me at Real Rob Goodwin. Thank you so much for listening, guys, and we will talk to you guys soon. Bye.